Welcome, everyone, to Pay to Pay Real Estate Show. I'm your host, William Morales. And on today's show, I have Amy Silvis. Did I pronounce that? And it's funny, Amy, I always say I'm going to rehearse someone's name before the show, and I never do. And then when I do rehearse it, I still get it wrong. So, <laughs> so you got it perfect with me. Well, thank you. Let me yeah. tell you a little bit about Amy. Amy Silvis is the founder and principal of Silvis Capital, a real estate firm that invests in large commercial real estate properties in emerging markets. To, throughout the United States. Accredited and non-accredited investors appreciate investing alongside to take advantage of not only her extensive experience, but also her detailed research and exclusive relationship. Amy, thank you so much for being on Pay to Pay Real Estate Show. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thanks again for having me. No, no, it's my pleasure. So Amy, what was your journey like to become an investor, to start Silvis Capital? What was Amy's journey? How did you get here to today? Oh, <laughs> Are you ready for this? Buckle up. It's it's a wild one. It took me about 11 years of trying and failing to get into this industry, if you can believe it or not. So you started So you started at 11 years old. Hilarious. <laughs> Sir, you can see these gray hairs right here that I haven't had time to color. I am 41 years old. So Well, you look amazing. Very proudly. You look oh. amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So, here's the story. I'm out here in Los Angeles, California, where I was born and raised. I was born with a lung condition called cystic fibrosis, a genetic wow. disease. I was only supposed to be around eight or nine years old when I passed away. I wasn't supposed to live wow. very long at all. So you can see why I wear these gray hairs uh, uh, proudly. Badge of honor there. There you go. <laughs> yeah, of course, all the wrinkles, I'll take it. I'm excited to be this age. But part of having cystic fibrosis, for those who don't maybe don't know about it, is deteriorating lungs over time and being in and out of the hospital with chronic pneumonia over and over again, year after year. So as I thankfully got through college, got through graduate school, I was always wondering how long I would be able to trade my time for money. I didn't want to be dependent on my parents. They sacrificed so much, as you can probably imagine, raising a disabled child. And I really wanted to be self-sufficient. So I was always looking for a way to support myself as I kind of got closer to this inevitable time when my health might collapse. And so I had many trials and tribulations trying to figure out passive income and finding a way that maybe I could make money while being in the hospital and dealing with this illness. And, you know, finally, I got a miracle drug for this disease about three years ago that really allowed me uh, to be much more stable in my health. And finally, after so many failing failures, get into the industry and launch Silvis Capital. Wow. Well, I mean, that's a great journey. So if you don't mind, can you tell us yeah. like about one or two of the failures? Was it more that you didn't have the money when you started out to invest in real estate or uh, maybe the strategies you weren't sure yet which which way to go? Because that happened to me because I wanted to be a landlord. And it wasn't until yeah. a few years later where I decided that creative financing, you know, for sale by owners, uh, taking mortgage subject to then I said, oh, my God, that's the niche that I'm in. And that's the niche that I wanted to go forward with. How about you? What was that journey like? Um, Love that. Yeah. So yeah. How, what, was it um, maybe starting off with without the capital strategies? Oh, whatever. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the strategy was really it. You know, I, uh, you know, living in California, I thought, okay, I'll buy something, you know, near me. Of course, that's a huge fail because things are really expensive. And this is now a landlord friendly area. I also didn't really have the time. I was trying to work full time dealing with my health was a full-time job and then trying to, you know, do this side hustle, if you will, all by myself. I didn't understand how badly I needed partners. I didn't know how to source the capital exactly as you said. 
there was just a whole bunch of ways uh, that I really needed to learn and grow in this journey to be an entrepreneur and to build a team, to find a market that really made a lot more sense, even though, you know, I wasn't geographically close to any place. So yeah, we can go down any road you want, but I definitely made a whole bunch of mistakes for sure. Well, at least, and again, but you learn from it and all that. And that's how we learn from our mistakes and make sure we don't do it oh, twice. Yeah. So when did you start uh, Silvis Capital? You know, because uh, I, I love that you, you know, you, you took the entrepreneurial journey. You knew what you wanted to do. Maybe you had a couple of mistakes here and there, but yeah. how did the company start? And when did yes. it start? So November, 2019, I got this miracle drug. I was 38 wow. years old. Finally, after hoping and praying and fundraising and all that, I got this miracle drug. And raise your hand if you remember what happened in March of 2020. <laughs> the pandemic happened. We all did, and yeah, exactly. We all remember, right? So as someone with fragile lungs, you can imagine, I was locked into my place. And I thought, okay, I've got this health, but this other kind of external thing happened that's kind of keeping me uh, isolated, if you will. What am I going to do with all this time? That's when I launched Silvis Capital. I had all the time in the world. All of a sudden, everyone was interacting on Zoom. So despite being in Los Angeles, it was really easy for me to build relationships with brokers in Tennessee, to build relationships with folks that wanted to deploy capital uh, you know, in investments that I had to offer. So although the pandemic was really awful and hard for everybody, I really wanted to utilize kind of the cards that I had been dealt and really go off to the races. So we've been around for about three years now. Wow, that's amazing. So um, so at now, you know, fast forward three years later, um, with you and your investors, first of all, I, I like today's topic, which we're talking about, you know, investing in Silver's Capital, about the tenants, toilets, and termites, the three T's, right? Um, Amy, we always hear those words. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So what type of properties, I mean, you guys do multifamily, but are you guys mm -hmm. looking for more distressed uh, properties or more ready to move in type of properties? And is there a limit, a minimum uh, in terms of uh, how many doors to max? Is there, uh, I know there's a lot of questions in one. Sorry, I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I love all this stuff so much because it's so exciting. I know you've got the same passion uh, that oh, I do to talk definitely. about this. Yeah, it's incredible. So yeah, we, we do multifamily and industrial. And in terms of multifamily, we do do kind of medium to light value adds. So we don't take, you know, properties that are 50% vacant in, you know, war zones. Instead, we take properties that are, you know, maybe 1980s built that maybe haven't been renovated or updated, uh, you know, in the past, gosh, what is that? 40 some odd years yeah. and do some nice, maybe $5,000, $8,000 a unit upgrades in areas where, you know, folks are experiencing job growth, income growth, so they want and can afford nicer amenities there. Um, and yeah, when we're going into a new market, we typically buy 100 plus unit apartment buildings because that economies of scale really yeah. helps us. But for example, I was on the phone with a seller uh, of a 42 unit apartment complex yesterday because we're already established in this market. We already have the scale. So adding to the portfolio will allow us, us and our investors to still get that return that we're looking for. Oh, that's great. So, so you guys don't, are you investing outside of LA? Um, so, so this is one of the, uh, a question I always wanted to ask an investor like yourself yeah. and a, and a, and a uh, capital type of fund that you have. Um, yeah. So when you do choose a market, right, you do your study, you, you know, uh, you see population growth obviously is important, obviously the job yeah. growth. 
do you go to these places yourself or do you, how do you build teams across the land? <laughs> you know, cause that's always yes. the thing because people want to invest outside of the market. Like here, I live in New York and you live in LA. Imagine you buy a hundred unit building in LA. It'll probably cost you like $14 billion, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's not more. <laughs> exactly. So how do you navigate the uh, investing outside of your market? Yes, it, it sounds incredibly intimidating, but there are steps that really make it much more safe and plausible. So the first thing, as you mentioned, is finding a team. So, uh, you know, a great example was during the pandemic, I wasn't traveling, I wasn't hopping on planes, right. but I had people that I cultivated relationships with over years, got to know and decided to go into business with that were living in Tennessee, that were living in Alabama, that were living in Georgia. So we had boots on the ground. And these were just, again, just kind of random people. These were folks that I knew, like, and trusted uh, very well. So yeah, having people able to go on site, meet with uh, sellers, meet with brokers, and then, you know, partner in that way what is really instrumental. I, that, see, and that's the thing. <clears throat> and, I, and I've told people, you know, outside of the podcast that you know, you got to make uh, uh, connections and you could do it through Facebook groups, meetup groups, bigger pockets, all these uh, types of, uh, of, yes. of forums that as long as you cultivate a relationship, you get on the, you know, you get on the phone, you get on Zoom. And before you know it, now you have boots on the ground. So how do you see the current market uh, today uh, at the time of this recording, which is January of 2023? Yeah. What do you see? It's an interesting time, right? The, the yeah. Fed has almost doubled uh, at least interest rates in how we borrow money and what our lenders are charging <laughs> us. And prices from sellers have really only gone down about 10 to 15%. So we're really in an interesting spot where sellers and buyers aren't really on the same page in terms of what valuations are. And to me, you know, uncertainty only means opportunity. Right. So uh, yes, yeah, some people are scared, some people are pencils down, but We've been in this market all the way through. We bought our first property in, in June of 2020. You can rem remember the chaos wow, that was going on yes. there. So, you know, yeah, there, there's always opportunity. Real estate cycles, we all know that. So maybe instead of, you know, getting lending from uh, a bank, maybe we're doing seller financing instead. There's always ways and tools to make things happen. So, uh, you know, we're definitely very cautious. We know that you know, some markets are likely going to do better if we enter into a recession. So we really examine, you know, the economic fundamentals of a market and we want to make sure we're not overpaying for a project and our projection, projections aren't overly, you know, excited. We're, we're very conservative, but we still feel, you know, despite all that, we can really still find great deals and we're finding them. So it's an exciting time. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I wanted to ask you about, um, and, and, and going back to, uh, going to a new market. So, yeah. and we talk with Amy uh, Silvis of Silvis Capital. So Amy, so when you look at a new market, let's, and, and let's go back to Tennessee, right? You made your, yeah. your connections there. Like, how do you get the economic report of Tennessee? So let's say some new investor wants to invest with you and let, we'll talk about a non-accredited investors in a second. Yeah. But if somebody wants to invest with you, whether they're accredited or non, um, yeah. How do you navigate the market? Like, how do you know if that market is growing or staying stagnant or, hey, you know, people are leaving like they did in Detroit back in what, 08, 09 and 10? Yeah. How, yeah. how, how can someone find a report like that? Did my I question make stuff, sense? William. Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. This is my jam. No, I love this stuff. And I think it's actually one of the most important data points for people to understand above and beyond the property just itself. So 
you know, the first thing is understanding state uh, and local government rules, right? You know, I'm in Los Angeles. Eviction moratoriums are still January 2023. We still have eviction moratoriums. So obviously looking at something like that in other markets, you know, we're not looking to, you know, screw over and, you know, our, our tenants per se. We just want something fair. So something like in Tennessee where landlords and tenants are both kind of equal in the eyes of the law and we can come to something favorable in case you know, God forbid someone doesn't pay their rent. You know, we look for laws like that. So that's not exactly economic, but it does feed into the economic story. And then coupled with that, yeah, how pro-business is a state? Are they giving incentives to companies to move there? Uh, and that's both on a state and on a local level. And then, of course, you know, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, from the federal government. What's the unemployment rate you can find there? Uh, obviously, you want something that's lower than what is uh, the federal um, unemployment rate you know, at the local level. Yeah. You can also talk to the Economic Development Council for mm -hmm. at the local level. Hey, what jobs are coming in? Do you have any kind of word on companies that may be expanding or relocating? So um, I would say the Economic Development website, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, and then also just the United States Census that gives information on folks that are moving into the area, or as you mentioned, like Detroit years ago, people are moving out. All right. very important resources that are all free and easily accessible so people can analyze a market. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah. and, 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 and I love what you said before, landlord-friendly states. I, I even yeah. hate to say it that way, but it's true what you say, you know, because uh, if you go to a state where it's not landlord-friendly or at least at an even playing field, as they say, you yeah. know, at least you have a, ch a chance, you know, and not yeah. some tenant is going to, who's a professional tenant. And and for those of you who don't know, these are, are guys or girls and are that know the rules inside out of renting. And if yeah. they see a crack on the wall, they might not pay the rent for six months. Hey, this wasn't right. fixed or whatever. So I, I yeah. like that. So for a non-accredited investor, uh, if you could explain the difference between the two and how a non-accredited investor can get into the Silvis uh, uh, capital. Yes, absolutely. Give me one second. I don't know what is going on with my computer. I apologize. No problem. I, I could edit that, this out. Don't worry. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know what in the world just happened. Let me. And it's funny. You're okay. coming great on my side. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So you, can you repeat that last question, friend? I'm sorry, sure. William. No, no, that's okay. I just want to make sure that I, I, I write edit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so someone that's non-accredited or accredited, right? Let's go with the non-accredited. Yeah. Um, how can they get into a fund of yours? Uh, what do you look for in that type of person, uh, especially if they want, they're want they new to real estate, um, they don't want to do their work, they know that Silvis Capital can take care for them because the biggest, the T's, right, um, Amy, tenants, toilets, and, and termites, Amy's going to take care of that for you. So how yes. can someone get in um, uh, uh, to join Silvis Capital? Yeah, so it's all about developing relationships. You know, a lot of people don't know this area is actually heavily regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission, which uh -huh. I actually think is a good thing. They're looking out for people. They want to make sure yeah. that investors are, you know, treated properly, that we have full disclosure in terms of what we're doing, what our projections are. So I prefer this. And then the SEC, the, the federal <laughs> government also does that we establish a deep relationship. We get to know each other. We help you know, we understand what the investor's risk tolerance is, what their experience is in the area, maybe a bit about their net worth. You know, we don't want folks, you know, that 
you know, maybe don't have experience in this area, investing something where they don't quite know how to understand or evaluate the risk. Right. So yeah, building that relationship, reaching out, having several conversations over uh, a longer period of time to get to know each other. And then we can mutually decide, you know, hey, is this a good fit? Is it not? And sometimes it's not, which is perfectly fine. We want to make sure we're doing the right thing for people. Yeah, no, that's fair. I love that. So if we, um, when someone invests in, in uh, with Silver's Capital, um, what's the time frame to get in and to get out? Uh, is it five years, seven years? I know some um, companies, you know, uh, capital companies have that type of time frame. They, you know, they do the value add, like you said, anywhere between yes. five to 8,000 per, per door, which is, I think is very good, very cheap, very yeah. doable. <laughs> um, I don't know how sure. you, you do it, but that's amazing. You know, some people talk about 15 to 20,000, you're talking five to 8,000. That is great. So what's the timetable of, 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 you know, getting the capital back or can they reinvest if they want to like leave it? Hey, Amy got us a great return. I want to stay. Sorry. Again, I'm all over the place with that. question. No, no, you're great. I'm following because you understand how this all works. So I, I love yeah. the question. Yeah. So typically it's a five-year hold. So we tell okay. folks, Hey, you know, if you need something that's highly liquid, if you think you might need this money in a year or two, this may not be a good fit for you because we typically hold our properties for five years. We do renovations over a year or two, and then we season, uh, as the industry term is, which always makes me hungry, but we season <laughs> the property uh, by operating it and you know making sure everything is great, usually over that five-year period of time. And then, yeah, if we have another opportunity after that five-year period of time and we sell and we have another investment, folks are always welcome to redeploy the capital if that fits them. And if not, no harm, no foul. You know, there are always great opportunities out there. No, that sounds good. One of the things I wanted to ask you, which I, um, to go back uh, with the properties again, when you search, is there, do you work with brokers, realtors, like to find you properties, or do you do maybe uh, a direct mail to certain homeowners that, you know, have a hundred units and up, whatever? How, yeah. how does, uh, uh, how does Amy find her uh, investments? <laughs> All the above. You know, there are so many tools in our tool belt. To, to your point, going direct to seller can be really helpful. Uh, sometimes, you know, folks are, you know, in distress or maybe they hadn't even really thought about selling, but we're able to have a conversation, get to know each other. Uh, and they realize that, yeah, you know, selling directly to a buyer can be helpful. But we also have incredible broker relationships, brokers mm -hmm. that know exactly what we're looking for, that make the process you know, really easy. We love our brokers. I know some people fuss about the cost, but I never hesitate to pay, you know, what someone's worth to be able to help us move our business forward. So uh, yeah, a whole combination of, of all the above is the answer. Okay. Sounds good. So what's yeah, next yeah. for uh, Silvis Capital? What are you guys looking to do in the next uh, three to six months? Continue to find deals. You know, it was, uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast, it was, it's been challenging to find opportunities over these past six months because of the debt market. Uh, we think this is really going to change, whether it's the Fed, you know, capitulating or whether it's mm -hmm. some deals shaking out because there's always somebody that needs, you know, unfortunately, that's, you know, going through a, a business partner breakup or needs to refinance and isn't able to, uh, you know, get the permanent debt that they need, or perhaps, you know, they're having personal issues where they need to sell. There are always opportunities. So we're looking to acquire around three to four new either multifamily or industrial projects uh, this year and being able to serve those tenants as well as our investors. Um 
go back to the industrial side of of your business. Um, yeah. What are you guys are looking for? Like warehouses, storage units? Uh, is it things like that? Yeah, warehousing and manufacturing. So wow, okay. we all, yeah, you may be aware of the this onshoring phenomenon where you know because of COVID, because of shipping yes, costs, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, all yeah. sorts of chaos. Some companies are wanting to onshore manufacturing back to the United States, which is incredible, right? Is we love thing. you know yeah, our definitely. workers. Oh yeah. So areas of the Midwest, specifically Kansas City, what I really like are centrally located in the United States, so easy for distribution, uh, you know, in that in, in that local uh, market there. And then also low cost of living. So, yeah. you know, it's easy for businesses to attract workers in markets like that. So we only have one industrial property thus far, but really like it because, as I'm sure you and your listeners know, there's this thing called triple net leasing where our yeah. tenants, the businesses are actually paying for the insurance, the repairs and maintenance and the taxes. And Isn't that a great business model? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's amazing, especially when expenses are going up because of inflation. So uh, it's just a diversification play. You know, I'm yeah. all about diversification in and outside of real estate. No, that, I I love that model. First of all, Amy, I want to thank you so much for being on um, Peer to Peer yeah. Real Estate. I really appreciate it. And before I let you, just a couple more things. I already know, I could tell, but what keeps you motivated? <laughs> I already <laughs> yeah. know, but 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 for my <laughs> listeners that might not know or might uh, not and tell, um, what keeps you motivated? <laughs> yeah, I would say it's twofold. One, you know, every day I have is a gift. I was not supposed to be here at 41 years old. Mm. Uh, I believe in my heart. I'm here for a purpose and it's, you know, not just to make money. I mean, money is great, right? But I'd love to know that I can have a positive impact and help people. And we do that with our investors and creating communities at our apartment buildings and giving people uh, safe, secure, clean places to live. And then yeah. also my husband and I have a lot of charitable goals. Um, he grew up in East Los Angeles and was a benefactor of after school programs. Oh, wow. We don't have children ourselves, but we feel so strongly about putting charities like Heart of Los Angeles, uh, you know, out of the fundraising business, if you will. We want yeah. to be able to donate and endow uh, their work that they're doing so that these children through, you know, no fault of their own, they've got some economic hardship, can live amazing lives and, and know that they're loved. No, I, I, at the end of the day is giving back, you know, and that's what you guys are doing. That's so much appreciated. Um, any books you want to recommend? Because, you know, you have like Probably 20 books in you, if you, if you don't know that by now, you know, <laughs> at least starting your journey from when you were a, a little kid to, to now, the, the mistakes you made. I mean, my God, you have at least a, a series of books. Oh, what a nice thing to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But you're asking any books I would recommend? Yeah. Any books or yeah, yeah please. Yeah, go ahead. So it's, it's a longer book, but it's called The Creature from Jekyll Island by I G. Heard Edward book, Griffin. Yeah. Oh, it is probably the top three books you'll ever read in your life. Yeah. It's a slow start and it's a long book, but it is about the history of the monetary system, which may mm. sound a little out there, but it impacts every aspect of our lives as investors, as normal everyday people, or even as someone with a regular you know, nine to five type yeah. job. So um, if you read it, it reads stranger than fiction, but it'll really help you gain context for what's going on in the world right now. All right, definitely. I'll definitely put that on the show notes. Anything else you want to promote? Um, appearances, anything, uh, shows, <laughs> you know, you when you'll be on CNBC or, you know, things like that, you know, uh, please. <laughs> You're very dear. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go bold with this. There are about 10%, excuse me, 10% of people with cystic fibrosis that do not benefit from the medication that I get to benefit from. We are okay. still fundraising and funding research 
to so that every person with CF can lead a long, healthy life. So there's an organization called Emily's Entourage, uh, and maybe you can put that in the show notes as well. Uh, they are doing scientific research and really looking to save lives with pe for people with cystic fibrosis. So if you're in a giving mood and you want to contribute uh, to a really great charity, that would be some place I would like to point folks to. Okay, that's good. Uh, Emily's Entourage. Emily's uh, Entourage. All right, yeah, I'll definitely put it there, uh, put that on Thank the show you. notes. And if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way? Yes, silviscapital.com. And you can learn more if you add a backslash webinar. We've got a 30-minute oh. educational webinar where you can learn a bit more about how we think through uh, in commercial real estate investing. That sounds good. Well, Amy, again, thank you so much for being on Pay to Pay Real Estate Show. I really, really appreciate it. This was so much fun. Thank you again for the opportunity, William. No, my pleasure. Bye-bye.